Phantom House. It's the place for podcasts. And welcome to this kind of different Amsterdam comedy podcast, which comes to you from the green room backstage at the Utrecht International Comedy Festival. I am Jonathan. And I'm Greg. And this week's guests are Raul Coley, otherwise known as the Newcastle Brown Male, Stefan Danziger, and later on we get crashed by Sula Notos, who is the Greek-Dutch lesbian comedian and one of the funniest people you're likely to meet. So this was recorded last April at the Utrecht Comedy Festival. And even if you've never heard of these comedians, just you you probably haven't. You probably haven't. Just imagine us backstage around the table with like free beers, shooting the shit with some very, very funny people. Now, it starts with us reintroducing ourselves with Rahul and Stefan, who are about to go on stage. And and you're about to go on stage. Yeah, we were all like backstage in between sets at the comedy festival. Uh, So it's a cool energy. Um, Yeah. Here's the tape. I'm Jonathan. I'm Greg. And these gentlemen are... Raul. And Stefan. And we are at the... The Utrecht International Comedy Festival 2017. And these people are? Uh, Rahul Koli is, uh, well, otherwise known as... New Castle Brown Mail. Yeah. Uh, and I am a comic from Newcastle. Newcastle Brown Ale is a famous uh, beer or lager from Newcastle. And I am obviously the ambassador as the Newcastle Brown Mail, or at least that's how I branded myself. Well, uh, wait, <laughs> speaking of branding, I know <laughs> I've never really thought of this, but I mean, I've seen the shows in Edinburgh. You know, you've been, how many years have you done Edinburgh? Well, now? This will be my fifth year, I think now. Yeah. I did one on a bus <laughs> and in a nightclub. And then after the nightclub, I did the counting house in the morning. And uh, another venue that was awful that uh, they found a dead body in and that was burnt down and robbed halfway through. Uh, yeah, and then I did the stand last year, so that makes four years in total. Hey. And this year's my fifth. Oh, brilliant. And uh, sorry, uh, but, but, you know, Newcastle Brown Mail, I mean, you have coined a term, a comedy, uh, iconic term. But, I mean, uh, Edinburgh Festival, sponsoring by who, any number of Fosters, Carlsberg, you know, per- yeah. Perrier. <laughs> have they, have they contacted you and why haven't they... If they haven't. Uh, well, I suppose Foster's and all those brands, I, I don't know, like, they're, they're all owned by different brands now. So Newcastle Brown Ale, when it first started, was its own company, and then it was run by uh, Federation Breweries, which was Scottish in Newcastle. And uh, now it's Heineken, and I don't think they have many sponsorship deals. No. Yeah, it's Heineken, and they oh. brew it in Tadcaster. It's not even brewed in Newcastle anymore. It lost this, it had the EU thing, like champagne. So it, it was only allowed to be brewed in Newcastle, but then they lost that, so they moved it to Tadcaster. Uh, and I'm hoping Heineken will, like, con- get in contact, sponsor me, and Send me like loads of free crates, but they're yet to do so. So Heineken, if you're listening, Rahul, I just I was sitting at a table last Sunday with a former colleague at Boom Chicago Comedy Theater. She now works in Heineken marketing. No way! Yeah, Tell yeah. those guys to get in touch. T-shirts, beers, the lot. Just beer, please, All free right. beer. <laughs> Well, Emma, if you're listening, <laughs> this is a man who is already uh, marketing for your brand. He's willing to work for beer. Yeah, we'll work for beer. We'll work just a couple of cans, man, a couple of cans. I'm a humble guy. <laughs> <laughs> and and Stefan, where exactly are you from? We were talking about this before we got going. Where, where are you from? Okay, Which I understand, in your case, is an interesting question. 
Yeah. Uh, I was born in Dresden and then we moved to Soviet Union, 1988, because East Germany was not shitty enough. And then <laughs> I lived there for seven years and then went to Dresden and then Berlin. But now I'm based in Berlin. So Dresden, Soviet Union. We're in the Soviet Union as it is the was the largest country in the world. And Still, like one or 20 kilometers north from Moscow, so a little town called Dubna. There's a nuclear science research center. So <laughs> it's true. It's true. My father worked there. So, <laughs> so sorry. That's uh, <laughs> what was the occasion? I mean, that's like I'm sorry, 1988. Yeah. I mean, the wall fell in 1989. That's like saying in 1943. Let's. You know what? Let's move to Berlin. That's <laughs> that's a happening town. <laughs> it's not uh, that bad. <laughs> what brought that on? So he went there for work. Yeah, okay. research. Wow. Yeah, uh, like you know, they have this this um, iron thing accelerator, like in CERN in Switzerland, and it was kind of the you know CERN was found 1954 in, in Switzerland, and the Russians were like, oh, let's do a like a Soviet pendant to that, and so they found Dubna 1956. So it was like from all Eastern Bloc states, all the scientists were there. Ah, I'm geeky enough to find that incredibly cool. (laughs) I I am. Yeah, sure, man. They have a particle accelerator. You move particles to very close to the speed of light. You smash them together and you get a glimpse of the Big Bang and see what the Big Bang was like right before. Right. Did I get that? Yeah, that's completely right. And then uh, conspiracy sighting. That's what that's what's made the whole world go upside down. All these unlikely events, planes falling from the sky, Trump's Brexit's Leicester winning the Premier League, which may or may not be as relatable (laughs) to you guys as it is to me. Well, that was. That all came after they switched on the Hadron Collider and they said it was going to end the universe. So that's the argument. I'm not saying it's true or not. I'm just saying tinfoil hats, guys. Well, they said it was they said it was uh, there was a potential for it to open up a tiny black hole, which, of course, in the being the size of the Earth being actually small on the galactic scale, the universal scale, nothing. A tiny black hole would have basically sucked all of the Earth in. And the moon, and that was their fear. But of course, it was nonsense. Yeah. Not that it, it wasn't statistically impossible. It was just very unlikely. Impossible. But they, these people would also say, but that's God's will. Yeah. <laughs> Little things. Bit. One, that is why La La Land mistakenly got that Oscar. It's genuinely <laughs> the reason. Yeah. <laughs> Two, it was uh, one of my boys who came up with the, the whole the particle upon which it's all based on. Uh, the Higgs boson particle. Yeah. Peter Higgs is from Newcastle, around the corner. I just wanted to get that in there. Woo! Oh, I'd like to get in uh, the f- fact that you refer to him as one of our boys. One of our so boys what? What? <laughs> so how? How do you identify? He's <laughs> <laughs> just a scientist. He's from Newcastle. He's literally from ten minutes away from me. Uh, yeah, and he came up with that Peter Higgs, and he, he, the God particle is named after him. So yeah, that's us guys, the God particle. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you had a lovely joke, uh, Rahul, uh, the other night. You know, we were gigging in Bergen oh, yeah. to the north of Amsterdam, and right the day after uh, Article 50 was triggered. And so here you are talking about, uh, you know, the Brexit situation on the mainland, you know, uh, and here you were also being, uh, you know, brown male. Uh, So that got really interesting. Anyway, I really loved your subject matter. Thank you very much. That's very much appreciated. Yeah, it's an interesting time. I've always been into my political comedy. And this is kind of bittersweet from my political perspective. Brexit is is quite a bitter thing. From a comedy perspective as well, everyone feels the need to address it. So it's it's sometimes harder. But I think that forces you to be better and more original. But 
it does help me because I've always liked talking about politics. So when you're talking about Brexit on stage, people are interested. It's something that is a bone of contention and people feel something about. That's a bit more interesting than, I don't know, talking about David Cameron's benefit sanctions from like 2011. <laughs> Especially if I try to bring that to an international audience, just all these Dutch people looking at me like, what is she talking about? I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> and, and, uh, if I may, what about... I mean, the other night you were asking, okay, pro-Brexit, you know, are there any people here excited about Brexit? There was one guy, and he shouted something in <laughs> Dutch, actually, uh, and we only found out afterward, like, oh, he was like, yeah, good for you. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about Brexit, what crowds have you encountered where there's a mix of people who are remain and leave? Yeah, you're asking sort of what percentage is it, or have I encountered crowds that are like a, a, an even mix? Because I have most of the time. I mean, it was obviously neck and neck in Britain. It was 48, 52. So most rooms, uh, I'd say 50% of the rooms are about 50, 50. Uh, then I'd say about... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, aggregate. in aggregate, in aggregate. Percent of the rooms, I would say, are very staunchly pro-Remain. And then you get about 10 to 20 that are, are pro-leave. Uh, it's more popular than you would think because we, we don't read in England. We just <laughs> vote on raw emotion. Uh, but yeah, but my jokes are very nuanced and it's trying like the whole idea of it isn't necessarily to attack Brexit. I attack any political point of view. It's meant to attack hypocrisy. So sometimes I even attack Remainers, even though I am one, because, you know, certain people like, I've seen people posting like, you know, that video of Donald Tusk saying he misses uh, England already. And people are like, oh, it's just so upsetting. I want to cry over it. I'm like, come on, we're not Aleppo. Get over it. it just, we left the trade agreement. It is not that bad. Like, it, it's not the most ideal, but don't, we don't need to cry. Uh, but I try to make it nuanced and I try to mainly sort of break down because it's very fierce. It's, it's like the Trump thing. People are getting very aggro. And the two things you hear is all leave voters are racist and we're whingy Ramonas who, who do, don't want to let Brexit happen. And I hate those terms, man. I think we should be able to debate fairly. And people say, oh, you Ramonas, we won. Get over it. If you do you not understand democracy. And I'm like, yeah, do you not understand freedom of expression? We're allowed to protest. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where we're from, we would call you a snowflake. <laughs> yeah, man. I knew I was soft. I didn't know I was white. So that is, that is news <laughs> to me. <laughs> and uh, you know what? We're on a political... Oh, Take that back. We're on a political rant here, I guess. Uh, and, you know, next up, we've got elections uh, coming up in France and Germany. Yep. Uh, so, Stefan, yeah, what's the situation from your Berlin perspective? Uh, oh, God, Berlin is not representative for, for the rest of Germany because in Berlin nothing works properly. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It's like just we can't do proper shit, you know? It just doesn't work. The Does the S-Bahn stand for Scheisse-Bahn? <laughs> I just made that up. I just yeah, made that I know, but it's true in the morning. The Germans are really efficient, so we, we thought yeah. Berlin is the most efficient city ever. It's not true. It's really not true. We're not efficient at all. We're just like, ah, okay. Like in Berlin. But like uh, about the elections, you know, we have now, we expect like we'll have like six parties in the, in the, in the parliament after September. So so people talk like, oh, it's like, like in a Weimar Republic or something. Which is bullshit, you know, because in Weimar Republic there were every eight month elections and people were killing each other on the street. So that's not the case yet. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. And also, as we know, it I takes one hundred thousand euros just to buy a loaf of bread. What? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you remember one hundred thousand Deutschmarks? Was a oh, yeah. hundred thousand marks to buy a loaf of bread? Oh, yeah, yeah. Did I have to explain this to the German? 
Uh, Is that what just happened? alive then, in fairness. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that old. (laughs) You know, we forgot what happened in the last century. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) Collective amnesia. We built the memorials. It's fine. Look at that, (laughs) you know. But what... Let's talk about that, indeed. Um, what is going on with identity issues? Because you're someone of a very, you know, like a mixed identity already. Uh, I'm just talking about how, you know, you grew up in Russia, uh, but also very German, and you speak Greek. How many languages do you speak? Five. <laughs> right? Yeah. I heard you speaking Greek with Sula Notos yesterday. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but but um, is there this sense because uh, I've sorry, I've read that there's a theme of the election in Germany coming up, which is the German identity. You know, should there be one <laughs> or enough people from like alternative for Deutschland saying we're done apologizing for the past. We're done. And we should be, be able to be proud of Germany again and not just at World Cup. But <laughs> is that right? Is that a thing? I, I don't know. I don't know why they start with all these identity, uh, identity stuff, because, you know, it's it's. You can't just say like, "Oh, we're proud of the German history in like a thousand years," and <laughs> and just you know, the, the last century was like, you yeah. know, it's like, well, it's a part of it, so yeah. they just want to like skip it, uh, yeah. and it's weird. It's just weird. But they're they're yeah. losing. They're going down now with the with the no, alternative for Deutschland, yeah, which is yeah, the yeah. equivalent of like Front National or yeah. Trump, Gerd Wilders yeah. here. Hey, yeah. You all yeah. know that German Nazis are a bit more scary than you know, <laughs> you know where the yeah. Dutch Nazis are like, oh, come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. You should be proud of your World Cup history. I mean, I saw look at. Lucas Podolski's goal against us the other day, and that was magnificent. <laughs> to uh, I've read Mein Kampf, and it's a very slippery what? slope. Yeah, man, I just wanted to see. Well, you, like, you just talked about Podolski, and now you just said Mein Kampf. Remembering German history, it just reminded me of like stuff Hitler wrote when he was like, oh, and we're always told to be embarrassed about our culture and identity, but we should be proud, and we should not look on it with any regret. We should look on it fondly. We have writers better than Shakespeare. And, you know what? Well, why? You know how why, went. why does Mein Kampf, the audiobook, Always have a shouting <laughs> on narrator. You just can't read. It's like hey, the I, stigma I, I, like I'm building of him is better than stigmas he built of other people. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Mein Kampf app always gets shouting. It's very strange. I don't get. It's not a big deal in Germany that book because you know when they started to sell it because after 70 years later now they can publish it and people like saw that in the, in the bookshop and they're like ah I don't want to touch that. It's just like oh, take it away. It's literally yeah, like it's he's Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't touch it. A man, a man. Don't, well, don't well, mention well, the well, one who shall well, not well, be named. Yeah. That's a comparison. Like Voldemort, Hitler. Hmm. Uh, she, she based it all on Hitler. Uh, hence why him and the Death Eaters, the Death Eaters was... Well, the Death Eaters were like uh, Voldemort's death squad. Uh, and they were yeah. like brown shirts. They're like bloods who are yeah. people who were born of muggle blood. I have no idea. And the Jews. Propaganda, yeah. Yeah. But although, have you seen, uh, have you guys seen Harry Potter the film or the read the books? Yes. I yeah, know. okay. Like, I think the, the, uh, the, the, the goblins in the bank are oh, very, oh, very oh, an- accidentally anti-Semitic. I don't know if they're meant to be, but they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No idea. J.K. Rowling. I mean, when I saw that first movie, even when, when we started reading the books, you know, like, oh, so the hook-nosed money counters <laughs> have their own, you know, class of greedy people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll do anything for money. It's just, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's questionable. I wasn't convinced about the anti-Semitism until they all sat around and watched Woody Allen movies in it, which I thought was very strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we love the mudbloods. You know, let's not call them mudbloods. They're just muggles, and we should all, you know, and the elves, we should set the elves. But those goblins, they, those money-grubbing, greedy goblins cannot be trusted. Thanks, JK. Yeah. 
Yeah. Jew killer is what it stands for. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. I feel kind of bad. But it's kind of nice. No, it's very nice. It's just a joke. It was clearly it was an just answer. a joke, JK. We're really. That's the thing. If you look through the history of our anti Semitism, has a very, uh, I don't want to say primary, that's not the word I'm looking for, but it's more prevalent than you would expect. Yes. Uh, I mean, comedy is a different field because there are so. I mean, it, comedy was born out of great Jewish acts, if you ask me at least. Uh, we were just having that discussion, actually. Sorry about the differences between American. Stand-up comedy coming out of vaudeville and, you know, there's someone to distract the audience while we change the, you know, in front of the curtain, yeah. while we change the acts around. Was that Britain also, sorry, uh, sort of the same uh, Jewish, I don't know, uh, someone standing in front of the curtain while they change the acts around? No, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Maybe I might be a bit too young to be asking in terms of history of circuit. I mean, well, first off, our comedy, some of it was born out of this sort of musical style in the 60s and 70s where you'd get like a kind of working man's club and working man and come and sing and like, tell jokes as well and he'd be an all-round entertainer a lot of those jokes well, it was be even rare. prior to that right like george formby time and yeah, stuff like yeah, that yeah? Yeah, yeah yeah so i don't know about that but like we still do have those you know those kind of uh, this may be it doesn't mean, i don't mean it to be racist if it is i apologize but we do have the stereotypical those old jewish comedians who you know do crack like there was a show on bbc for a while old jewish jokes where just old jewish men would come on and tell just old school jokes and it was yeah. great so that stereotype still is kind of here yeah, yeah. Well, in the UK. And that's interesting as well. The, yeah, I mean, uh, we were. We it's, it's not. It's not racist because that is a. It, that is something that Jew, I'm Jewish. We perpetuate this. Yeah, but if you look at this right, constantly, we won't shut the fuck up about it. Yeah. If I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've worked with Ian Stone, Jewish amazing. comedians, Sasha Baron Cohen behind yeah. Borat and Ali G yeah. and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had amazing Jim, uh, Jewish comedians, but they were too funny and. Uh, <laughs> I had to go. Yeah. I said, nein, so lustig. Yeah. And the same in uh, Amsterdam uh, as well, that had a thriving Jewish community. I mean, the, the, what was the statistic about the Netherlands? There was no uh, Jewish population in Europe that was more decimated percentage wise than in the It's 80 in the Western Europe. Uh, Poland had more, uh, 90% of the Jews were killed in, in, in Poland. It was 80% in the Netherlands, which is the highest in Western Europe. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yes. Uh, so anyway, back to the comedy podcast. Yeah, <laughs> back to, yeah right. Oh, God. <laughs> just, I feel a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, you do, do you? <laughs> <laughs> do do. <laughs> so listen, you guys are going on tonight. Can I ask you specifically, is there anything about playing in the Netherlands that is say, individual or different in some way? Fucking weird, man. <laughs> they're like, they're, weird? They're, it's a, like, they're really lovely. They are nice. They are nice. And sometimes they're with you. And then other times like, ha, no, we want more now. Come on. Like, just, I don't know. There's a very, they're very matter of fact. They'll, they'll let you know if it's funny. If, but, like, you know, if you go to an English audience, if it goes bad, they will turn on you real sharp. <laughs> and that gives it a sort of electric energy because when it goes well, oh, shit, they're behind you. But here, sometimes they're with you, other times, no, not so much. Carry on. They don't really not heckle, entertaining. They, they don't, don't heckle. They don't heckle. No. The heckling will come afterwards sometimes. Yeah? Okay. Hey, I saw you on the stage, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, not very funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like more passive-aggressive? Like uh, no? Just, just, just tell you what you thought. Matter of fact. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. that's what I mean. They just kind of, they will let you know, joke by joke, how they're taking the entire thing. Uh, whether it's in England, they can kind of go with your, your personality sometimes. I think that's me basically saying my, my delivery is better than my writing. 
That's good. Hi, Sula. Hey, Sula. Hey, Sula. Yes, sir. Come on in. Say hello. Hi. Introduce yourself to the Amsterdam Comedy Podcast audience. Hello, everybody. I'm Sula Nodos. Bless you. That always happens when I say my name. Stefan has literally stood up. It's giving her the seat. So nice. He's nice. Yeah. He's giving back because he's German and he took already everything from Greece. Bastard. Just the guilt. Bastard. We heard that you speak. How is it that you speak Greek? I I I studied archaeology and. Yeah. Well, that makes no sense. Why Greece? Well, that was a joke. <laughs> no, I studied archaeology and uh, I had a long relationship with a Greek girl. Ah, that you did not tell me yesterday. And I'm um, Orthodox, as you know. <gasps> so, uh, yeah, I baptized to marry her, but luckily. He, she dumped you. You're Orthodox? Yeah. She dumped you? No, I dumped her. Oh, anyway, uh, back to me. I am. Uh, <laughs> I am part of the comedy house who uh, organizes the Utrecht International Comedy Festival. Um, and I'm a comedian. Uh, I just uh, performed in the Comedy Cloud Club. And now I'll be hosting the Pandora Room, just like yesterday. And it's going to be great. Are you hosting at seven? Oh, yeah, I'm on that show. Great. Yeah, exactly. Hey, fantastic. I came in just to... No, no, I'm not running late. That's fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. That's right. You're, you have one of the most interesting backgrounds, I think, of any person I've ever met on the planet ever. <laughs> Jesus. Because you're Dutch, actually. No, not Yes, but you're Greek. Dutch. You're Greek, but you're Dutch. I'm both. I'm tapas. I'm tapas. I'm, always, I'm never one thing. I'm always this and that. You're like a meze. Meze. You're like the little things that they put on on the table. Well, you have to choose. No, I don't have to choose. <laughs> the little foodie that you eat, the foodie things, all different things. If you take it, if, if if you take it out of context, it does sound like I'm talking about I something. That's why I like you. <laughs> so to continue our discussion, actually, we were talking about performing in uh, different countries, or for you, performing in Dutch or in English, and uh, yeah, how is it for you uh, performing for Dutch audience? Audiences and in general performing in Dutch or in English? I prefer performing in English actually. Why? Uh, um, it's a more uh, dramatic language. You can express more expressive. I always feel in Dutch that there's a, a ceiling. Uh, it, it's also cultural, like do uh, normal, do you know? That normal. means like be normal, that yeah. it's crazy enough. Exactly. So um, it fits my Greek character more, <laughs> my Greek dramatic character. And. Uh, no, my English. Pay attention, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> now that you t uh, took off your hat, you cannot think anymore. Uh, uh, it's back. Um, and uh, the mixed audience, uh, Dutch and international, that's the perfect audience. Uh, that's more, um, they have more energy. They're, you know, they're out and they want to have a good time. A your pure Dutch com uh, uh, comedy audience it's like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, I paid money, so uh, make me laugh, entertain me. And sometimes you like, you ask someone, what's your name? And they don't want to tell me what's yeah. the, Really? Really? I'm not part of the NSA, right? I'm just at a comedy <laughs> show. It's a live entertainment, it's an interactive uh, performer, of a performance, uh, um, I say that, uh, interactive theater. Um, what do you, you know, they don't want to perform. Uh, we have to do it together. We have to make the night together. So if you give me energy, I will give you energy, and then we can have a great night. 
And for the Dutch, it's more like, I don't know, they're not used to it or I don't know. I find Dutch audiences sometimes do this thing that British people do, where if you crack a joke, a lot of them will laugh, but very quietly, then realize that there isn't much laughter and then stop themselves. Because yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, no, I don't want to be a dickhead. And you're like, it's okay, you're not the dickhead. The dickhead is on stage telling jokes to nobody laughing. Uh, someone someone uh, uh, last told me that the Dutch are more conscious of uh, the group so dynamic, the, yeah. yeah, the group sign, and no, they no, don't no, want no. to stand out. That's right. And that, uh, I can uh, understand that, yeah. yeah it's, uh, I've always found that there is this incredible dichotomy between the, if you ask a Dutch person about uh, what is it like to be Dutch, what is Dutch society about? It's about, it's about individualism. We are all individuals. And I say, yes, that's right, Dutch people are all individuals as long as they are individualistic in exactly the same way as everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to wear the trousers the color of ketchup. Uh, well, weird, right? There's, I'm going to wear trousers the color of ketchup. <laughs> and and yeah, only because yeah. everyone else is wearing that, and my wife specifically told me to wear their clothes like that. Uh, yes, but I'm wearing it because my wife told me to wear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank, thank God not everyone's like that. Uh, but, um, no. uh, I mean, the Dutch who do go to these international gigs or yeah. places like Mezrop and my favorite place on earth, uh, on earth, on, in the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Mezrop is a uh, wonderful cultural center where yeah. people get up and tell stories uh, in Amsterdam right on, the, uh, right on the water. It's a beautiful yeah. place. Go to the Mezrop. Yeah. And those people there are more giving and relaxed and they, you know, they lie on a pillow, drink tea or beer and they're like, I give you my energy and my attention yeah. and that's different. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I wish more people were like that. They want you to succeed. They're on your side. Yeah. But they, yeah. They to make the sto- the night together, and that's what you need. Let's make the night they together. Right. what they're in for. Do you know what I mean? At Mesrab, they know what they're in for. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas some Dutch audiences, you get the feeling like, they're like, what, what is this? What, what is happening here? Yeah, I hope they don't ask me a question. Yeah, yeah. Why did you sit in the front row and have a t-shirt that says, ask me a question? <laughs> Uh, well, I think we've, we're out of time. People have to go on yeah. the stage. Oh, sure. Do you guys have to go on the stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then let me uh, break a leg, everyone. Thank you thank very you. much. Toy, toy, toy. Yes. Uh, Stefan Danziger, thank you. Yeah, Raoul. Hotzleiberger. Yep. Yeah. What did you say? Hotzleiberger. What do you mean? Have you said that in Yiddish? It's like break Yiddish. a leg. Oh. Like, bless you. Oh, how do you say that in Yiddish? Hotzleiberger. Hotzleiberger. That sounds like Hebrew to me. Yeah, whatever Stefan said. <laughs> and uh, Hans Lieber. Uh, <laughs> that's a Dutch comedian. Uh, and as, as we close. <laughs> and Fanta Chlamydia. <laughs> yes, it is. Chlamydia is a Greek word. Yeah. So much. <laughs> contributed so much to our culture. We gave so much. Yes. It's time to give it back. Thank you so much for giving us this word, which describes perfectly when my penis burns when I pee. <laughs> Thank you for that information. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Good luck. Break a leg. Bye. Bye. This was the Amsterdam Comedy Podcast with our guests Rahul Kohli, Stefan Danziger, and Sula Notos. And thanks to the Utrecht International Comedy Festival, the UICF. Uh, it's run entirely by comedians, and not a lot of comedians would ask for that. 
<laughs> kind of challenge. <laughs> Uh, so it's nice to see these guys in bigger venues uh, with bigger names every year. So for more information, just check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Amsterdam Comedy Podcast. And we'll have links to the Utrecht International Comedy Festival, as well as to the various web presences of Rahul, Stefan, and Sula. Hey, if you like the show, do leave a comment on the Facebook page. And then, uh, yeah, what else should they do? Subscribe. They can subscribe to us on iTunes. They can subscribe to us on Stitcher. And you can leave a message and leave various likes in various places, which supports the show. And if we get enough people listening, then we get monies for the show, and then we can make more shows. That would be nice. Uh, our theme tune is uh, Bug of Blue by the U.S. Army Swing Band. And remember, as Peter Houstonov once said, comedy is simply a funny way of being serious. See you next time. Boing. What leg thing? My leg over my head. You can do that? Yeah. Just, oh, I think you do. No, I didn't know you could put your leg over your head. Oh, yeah. I, I actually uh, injured myself <laughs> yesterday, so this well, is really yeah, not smart. It. Yeah, yeah. I was actually trying to stretch uh, my hips back into alignment. All right, let's see. Let's see. Oh, well, one of our guests today, Stefan Danziger, was aware of something that Greg could do, which I was unaware. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just have a look. It's weird. He just can twist his leg around his neck and just look, 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 look. Oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God. I'm hypermobile. Don't fart. All right. Holy crappers. Yeah. There we go. What? Uh, <laughs> so, shall we uh, continue the interview? <laughs> We have to take a picture of that because now we're talking about it. If it makes it into the show, we have to put it online so Man, people can see. A woman, that would be so sexy. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, put, it, put it away. Oh. Put it down. And no, I still can't reach. <laughs> <laughs>